So I have uh, been a student of the Bible for a long time. I mean, you grow up and you go to Bible class as a kid and they, they teach you the stories. Uh, but then you go to get older and start being more curious about the Bible. And so you want to, you, you, as a student of the Bible, you ask yourself, what can the Bible teach me that I didn't already know? And that, that's a hang-up, I think, for some people. And it was a hang-up for me at first because I went to college. I went to Harding University thinking I knew all there was and needed to know about the Bible. Because the people who taught me things about the Bible told me, we're teaching you all there is and all you need to know about the Bible. And that, that's not just Churches of Christ. That's Everybody, everybody does that. Um, there's, not a, there's not a curiosity in um, the, the Western world about Scripture because we want to know the facts. Um, we want to know the, like, just give me the details, give me the doctrine that I'm supposed to believe, that I'm supposed to fight for. What does our church do? Our church does this thing, so what are the Scriptures that say we're supposed to do this? What does is, what is our church do? What does our church not do? And so we're supposed to give me the scriptures that tells our what we're not supposed to do. And it always turns out that the that the words we're re- we are reading from scripture are the words that the whole the whole time we've been doing those things and we've been not doing those things. It works out where I'm not ever really if I want to if if I don't want to be I'm not ever really challenged by scripture. That scripture just validates what I'd already wanted to do or what I already did not want to do. So I have, I have these lists of things to do and lists of things not to do and scripture just helps me feel good about what I already did. But scripture's really hard. I got to Harding and it was, it was literally the first class made me say, Wait a second, there's heretics at Harding. And it wasn't even that they were having a, uh, that, that, they were, that they said anything crazy. They just asked me a question about, well, could it be this or could it be that? It's like, well, what's the answer? They said, we don't know. Well, that's not cool. How are you going to know everything if you don't know this? But in the Western world, we have put a huge emphasis on the the scientific facts of things. Give me the details. Give me the truth. And sometimes the Bible doesn't line up cleanly with our Western world. When I say Western world, I mean not Eastern. If you look at a big map, draw a line down the middle. Western, Eastern. And sometimes we think about things from our perspective, and that's fine, that's natural, but when you read the Bible, guess whose perspective it was written from and to? Not Benjamin's. The Bible's a complicated book because you get, you get in the Bible and you realize these people assumed things that I don't assume. Like you get into the Gospels, and John's talking about this, I think, on Wednesday night. 
uh, a little bit. You get into the Gospels, and they're different at times. In one place, Jesus is clearing the temple right before he gets crucified. In another, in John, he's clearing it right at the beginning. And us Westerners, we'd walk in and we would raise our hand and we'd say, well, when exactly did this happen? And John and Matthew, Mark and Luke would say, I don't know what language you're speaking. Actually, if they could understand us, they would say, eh, probably at the end, but you know. We'd say, well, you got to be certain. And they'd say, eh, it's overrated. We, just, we told you it happened, but when we told you it happened, and that's all that matters. And so the Bible has some uh, characteristics about it that we don't quite get and we don't even see sometimes because we are so wrapped up, and this is absolutely normal, this is not a sin, but we are so wrapped up in our worldview, in our culture, that we don't really see how our culture might be contrary to the teachings and thoughts and ideas of Jesus himself. How our instincts are unchristlike. We don't see it. And that's fine that you don't see it because the Bible will really, if you get in it long enough, it will, it will hit a nerve when it needs to hit a nerve. And you will eventually be challenged by Jesus. And in ways that you're not comfortable with. Try in a men's class. And I've done this several times in my life. But in a men's class. Class with men. Just a testosterone Bible study. And try talking about Jesus saying, you've heard it said. This is the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you that if someone slaps your right cheek, give to them your left. What's the next thing that gets brought up? What's the very next thing, every single time, the very next thing that gets brought up is, well, what if someone's breaking into your house? Oh, let's take the extreme example and use it to wipe away all of Jesus' teaching. Well, what if someone actually slaps me? What then? I feel like, I feel like Jesus was pretty clear about it. Yeah, but what did he mean? Okay, um... Give them the other cheek. That's what he meant. That's eh, not okay. I'm not cool with that. Exactly. Your world, the world in which you live. Now, sometimes we talk about the world and we say, oh, the world out there. As if we're not a part of it. You know, the world loves sin. So do you, Henry. It's, <laughs> Henry's a go-to name for someone I don't even know here named Henry. Is my name right now? No? Okay, good. Um, 
but it's the world out there. But our world is dominated by our upbringing, our thoughts, our, the way we interact with just new ideas, and, and it is, a, it is our, our instincts are against the teaching of Jesus. And if they weren't, Jesus wouldn't have had to teach them. So, I've got two scriptures this morning. One's very common, and the other one um, you might not know, but it's pretty common too. Um, I don't know why this isn't progressing. I could have used that as a metronome for the singing. The remote needs more cowbell. Carly, I don't need your courtesy laugh. Do not love the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And then, well, let's finish this up, verse 17. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So, First John, he's writing a letter to his church and he's saying, do not love the world. All that's in the world, the thing, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, that's not from God. Do not love the world. Then John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. You know, sometimes we talk about the world. Let's finish out the scripture here. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Sometimes we live as though there are two options for the world. There are times I get to indulge in it, and sometimes I get to indulge in it and, and call it Christianity. Whether it's the things the world loves, like pride of life, or power, or, or greed. Things the world loves, and we do too. Or it's, it's, it, we get to indulge in that, that side, and then there's also a side of the world that we like to hate. And, that there's, and we like to condemn that. So let's, we've, got, we've got some that we love and some that we condemn. And God seems to be operating in a different system where God does not condemn the world. And God offers us hope for something new in the world. That there is this culture that we say that Jesus plus our culture, the things we've always done and the way we've always done them, that those, those have to be attached to Jesus. 
How many of you get uncomfortable with new things? Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. No, some, some of you are like, well, I, I don't like raising my hand in church. No one's ever asked me to do that before. <laughs> That's new. Not happening. I'm not great with it. Like, I'm not great with, with um, if, if there's an itinerary, I like the itinerary to hit every, I mean, you should see me at church camp. Like, they could be in the middle of some prayer, and I'm like, oh, it's crafts time, you know, like, it's time for crafts. Blow the whistle. Get in here. I like, I like a schedule. I like a list. I, I, I'm not going to handle a curveball or two, but I don't like it. And so I get there's an instinct in our, in our culture when something isn't, this is not the way we do things. Jesus is calling us, this is exactly what Jesus is calling us to, is a life where we do things that we wouldn't normally do. A life where we're outside of our, our cultural norms. Where I would speak to people I don't, I'm not typically prone to speaking to. Or I would, I, I would, I would treat people a way where, where when they treat me poorly, I'm going to treat them well. And I'm not typically prone to do that. Who is? Sometimes we like to say, I'll take Jesus plus whatever culture. I just know. That makes Jesus real comfortable. That fluffs Jesus up. But Jesus sees the world in such a complicated way that Christians should see the world in that way as well. Where we don't love, we don't love our culture. We don't love the things that our world tells us is, are valuable. And I think even more so than certain sins, power and greed. We value those things. We don't value greed. We wouldn't call it greed. We call it wealth. And we value those things, and Jesus seemed to not value that at all. Then when, it, when he says, I, when, we, when we say of Jesus, he, he could have called a legion of, of angels. God, Jesus could have taken care of himself. But he didn't value that sort of victory. We would have. Jesus could have won the war. Jesus could have become an earthly king. But he didn't value that. When we, when we add the things our culture values, and again, I'm not saying, you know how the world out there values bad things and we value good things. No, it's here. Focus, Henry. It's in this, in this place where some, some things in our just existence, things we don't even say out loud, that we value Popularity, and we value numbers, and we value, like, I, I, am, I am so happy all of you are here this morning. That really makes me happy. 
and have given up stressing about the grown-ups who aren't. They are grown-ups. They can make their own choices. And when people show up or don't show up, that's really tough about it. Uh, just a quick aside, Rachel and I have trouble at Walmart when you haven't been here in a while. I'm just going to tell you that. Because we do love you and we do miss you, and that's true. That's the only thing we're trying to say. But we know it's coming out of a preacher and a preacher's wife's face. So we know that when we're like, oh, we've missed you, it feels like we're going, oh, we've missed you, tisk tisk. Like, I know that that's hitting a nerve in people. Like, there's an assumed tisk in that. But I, sometimes, like, at church, it's tempting to, to go, oh, well, we, we, we passed 210 this morning. And that was a successful day. And what, what's really successful, that, that's our culture. That's normal. How many showed up? But what's really great is that just you were here. And we worshiped God together. And so every, every time we get together, I don't care if it's just the first three rows that are full or the whole place is packed, it's a success because God was honored and worshiped by those who chose to come. And our, our culture would like to tell us, well, well it's a packed house or um, there, there's other barometers, there's other gauges in which we're, we're, we're checking those gauges and saying, well, what's, what's a successful church? Is God honored in this place? You never hear once Jesus getting up in front of a group whether it's 5,000 or 12, and saying, well, we're a little slim this morning. <laughs> you wouldn't imagine that, would you? Because Jesus doesn't value the things we value. And when you put our value system, our culture, our Western identity, onto Jesus, you make Jesus less than, again, you're making Jesus look more like you than you're making you look like Jesus. As if we sat down with Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, do you love the world? And he would say, I'm here, aren't I? And then John writes, do not love the world. Well, we said, Jesus, what about that? Jesus says, That's, there's a difference between the world God created and the world we're obsessed with. And God loves his creation so much that he sent his son. And as we follow his son, we are called to a higher standard than, than just going with the flow of, my, of, of, of what I've always done. Of culture. We're called to something bigger than that. And not, listen, I'm not saying, and, and listen, you've got you've to, if you hit your thumb with a hammer or a pinky, this is what happened here. Um, you hit your pinky with a hammer. It was a claw of a hammer. It wasn't good. But uh, was it like holding a nail with my pinky? Just realize how weird. This is how I hold nails. Just get it between them. Um, but I'm not saying like you've 
You've got to appear perfect, and if you, your kid has to go to the bathroom and you have to stop at the liquor store, people are going to assume bad things. Not the old, like, Church of Christ ethic or Baptist ethic or whatever. Not that ethic. No, we're called to something bigger, like the way we love people matters. The way they feel welcome and listened to in your presence is what Jesus is. Like, you can't show up to somebody at, at, uh, in public and just have an experience with them and be like, by the way, I don't swear. Thank you, Jesus. And then walk out and feel good about yourself. Listening to them is what Jesus would have done. Loving them is what Jesus would have done. And our problem is that we love, when Jesus is talking about he loves the world so much, he's talking about people. And when we say we love the world, sometimes we're talking about culture. And John is saying God loved all of his creation so much that he sent his son. Now that we follow his son, don't love your culture so much that you're dragging that down. So when scripture, and when you're in it, when Jesus convicts you, do not brush it aside. Just because, well, that's not really what I do. Well, it's what you should do. It's the way you should live. Not because Jesus is watching you and he's got his rule book out and he's checking, like, he's saying, well, he did that wrong and did that wrong. But because the kingdom of God is advancing into this world and if we're going to advance with it as a church, we need to be a church that loves like Jesus loves, that that submits like Jesus submitted. That humbles itself like Jesus humbled himself. And so, you've got, we've all got to examine what we find important. And typically what you find important, and the thing, typically something that frustrates you whenever it's violated, thing that you find important oftentimes isn't in line with that of Jesus. Now we'll twist it and we'll make it so. And we'll say, well, look at the other people, the what they're doing. We have, we're, we're whatabouts. Well, what about that? What about that? But the culture, the way you process things, the way you exist in this world. There might be something non-Jesus about that. That you're tying to Jesus and making Jesus less. We cannot add anything to Jesus and make him greater. Not our culture. Not the American dream. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That ain't. You see Jesus saying, you know, I just want to be happy. I want to be free to pursue it. I mean, that's all well and good. There's nothing inherently wrong with it, but we have to, we have to draw a sharp distinction between that and Jesus. Because Jesus saves, but Jesus saves us to something that's bigger than what we were before. 
We can't say, I've got Jesus, and then not let Jesus shape us. Do you want to be shaped by Jesus? Not Jesus plus anything, but Jesus alone. Nothing but Jesus saving you and changing you and shaping you. This morning, wherever you are in that journey, whether you're at the beginning and you want to give your life to Jesus or you're, you're 50, 60 years into it and realize, I, I'm just not, I've been valuing the wrong things. This morning's your morning because you have a church here that loves you. Loves you so much that we're willing to share Jesus with you. That if you trust in him, you'll believe. You'll find life. And in the light, what we'll find is that we're all sinners and that Jesus saves. Please come forward while we stand and sing.